That is our expectation again this morning as we look into the life, uh, the face of Jesus. Um, the things of this world will look much different. And so we pray that that happens again. This morning we're going to be uh, looking at um, just a few verses from uh, the book of 1 John, uh, John's uh, first letter there. Uh, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 6, focusing on verses 3 through 6. But with that, uh, let's uh, read from 1 John 2. My little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but doesn't keep his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the word, the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. May God grant us understanding this morning as we consider those words. Uh, whoever says he abides in him, whoever says he belongs to Christ, ought to live or walk in the same way that Jesus walked. Have you ever watched how people walk? Uh, sometimes, sometimes you can tell, uh, even from a distance, if you can't see face or whatever, you can tell who's coming or going, depending on the direction, just by the way people walk. Uh, we recognize that, again, even when we were at Beautiful Gate, we hadn't been there for, for uh, three years, but we would see people walking from a distance. It's like, oh, I know who that is. You can tell by the way he or she walks. Not just in... Uh, their, their size or stature or anything like that, but there's something about the way people walk. I, I knew that as a kid growing up. Um, we lived uh, close enough to the middle school um, when I was in middle school that I could walk to school. And so I would walk uh, at whatever time of year it was. And I remember walking to school in the winter and there was a teacher that lived uh, just a couple blocks from me, and he would also walk to school. And he was, he was uh, a block or so ahead of me, and I knew who it was. I could recognize him. But um, I looked in the snow at the way he walked. And that um, made a profound impact on me. I, I noticed that when he walked, and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying any way of walking is right or wrong, but if you learn from me, you'll get it right. Uh, the way he would walk was with his feet out. Maybe, maybe that's for stability. Uh, for me, it just twists my hips and everything. It just doesn't feel comfortable. But he would walk with his feet out like that. And I would try to walk in his footsteps that way. And, and it just felt so awkward. Uh, and so uh, I, would, I would then begin to look at the way I walk. See, see what see what my footprints did. So I would walk and uh, if my feet were a little bit too uh, out or in or whatever, I would try to make sure that they're 
uh, toes pointed forward. Uh, there are those that uh, through um, uh, just uh, the way they come, uh, the way they're born, their, their feet also go inward. Um, nothing wrong with that either. Um, we, when we were at Beautiful Gate, there was, there was one sweet girl there. Um, when she walked, she looked like she was on the verge of falling over with every step she took. Uh, but she was walking. Never did see her fall. Uh, but uh, little Tato, when she would walk, you thought for sure every step she took, she was going to trip and stumble and fall. And so it was just interesting to watch how people walk. I was, I was walking up uh, to church uh, not too long ago, uh, and I, I was walking towards the glass doors, and I could see myself walking. I wasn't looking at my feet, but I could see myself walking. And I thought, my goodness, I walk just like my dad. Uh, and I've noticed uh, about my my brothers, my brother and sister as well. Uh, we have we all have a walk that is similar to my dad. You can tell something about people by the way they walk, whether they're stable or not, uh, whether they walk like their father or mother or not. But it's interesting when you begin to watch uh, that. So when I, was, when I was walking to school, I made sure that I didn't follow the pattern of, uh, I don't know if he's still alive, Mr. Uh, Dubois. I, I made sure that my feet were not going to the side. I, I wanted to correct that. I wasn't going to pattern my walk after his. I wanted, I wanted my footprint to look differently if people saw me walking. transition now to following in somebody's footsteps. Now, I, I was, I was going to ask you the question, if you could pattern your lives after somebody's walk, somebody's life in Scripture, who would it be? Anybody? Jesus, would you? I would try to. Um, that would be the, the, the good, true appropriate and Sunday school answer. If you're going to pattern your life or your walk through life like somebody from Scripture, it would be Jesus. I think it might be easier to pick somebody else, though. Uh, maybe, maybe you could pattern your life after David. Mm, well, I mean, David was a man after God's own heart, but I know his story, too. He's got some serious flaws there. Maybe Abraham, this great man of faith, although... There were times when he didn't exercise that faith. He shrunk back from the opportunity and he even lied at times. So I, I would like to pattern my life after Jesus and that's what we're supposed to do, but that's a big order for us. And sometimes I wonder if, if we really think we're, we're supposed to walk like Jesus walked. But that's what our text says. Whoever says he abides in him, the one who says he is in him, whoever claims to be in Christ, associated with him, ought to walk in the same way that Jesus did. What does that mean? If you look at the life of Jesus, if you look at just these few verses here, one of the things that you know that you need to do if you're going to follow in the footsteps of, of Jesus is to be obedient. We need to be obedient if we're going to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. 
the, the Christian life is not just a decision. When you have faith in Christ, it's not just a profession that you made once, a prayer you made at one time, or, or coming up to the front of a, a gathering and, 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 and giving your life to Christ at that moment. That's not all that the Christian life is. That, again, is just the starting point. Uh, the Christian life has always been about, and, and not just the Christian life now that Jesus has come, but to be a child of God has always meant obedience. Always. No way of getting around that. And yet, uh, sometimes we make excuses for our obedience. Our verse says in uh, verse 3, we, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. We know that we are associated with God, with his son, if we keep his commandments. Jesus modeled that for us perfectly. Uh, and, and he did that by contrast. Romans, Romans uh, gives us that picture. Uh, Romans 5, 19, 4, As by the one man's disobedience, Adam, many were made sinners, all of us were, so by the one man's obedience, that being Christ, many will be made righteous. Adam and Eve were called to obedience in the garden. You may, you may have whatever you see here except the fruit of that tree. You may not take from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Everything else is yours. I just need you to be obedient in this thing. And they weren't. Jesus was brought before the world to be the new Adam, the true, the true Adam, the one who would follow his father obediently. And so he, he sets a, a model for us in that. Hebrews, Hebrews talks about uh, his obedience. Um, and maybe the whole concept of Jesus being obedient is still this fuzzy thing. Uh, Hebrews uh, 5, 8, 9. Although he was a son... He learned obedience through what he suffered. Jesus had to be obedient to his Father in the face of suffering. He had to learn that as a man who walked among us to be obedient. He had the choice. The, the devil presented him with choices at the beginning of his ministry. If you're hungry, go about it a different way. If, if you want all the kingdoms of the earth, bow down to me and forget the suffering. Don't do that. Why would you want to go through suffering? I'll give you the kingdoms and skip the suffering. Why not even test God and see how faithful he would be to you? Those were real things that Jesus had to suffer through and learn obedience to his father, even though all those things might be tempting. Even when he got to the garden and he knew he was facing his crucifixion, he said, Father, if there's any other way, let it be known. But, but I'm here to do your will. And he would do that at any cost. He learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, it says, he became the source of eternal salvation to all those who obey Him. 
He patterned obedience for us because we've never seen that faithfully in anybody. I don't, I don't model perfect obedience to anybody. You don't have to look far back in my life at all to find out that I've been disobedient. You can go back in this past week and found some place where I have stumbled and fallen, and so you won't want to follow my example, but Christ never did that. He never stumbled in His obedience, not once. And so to walk as Jesus walked, it means obedience for sure. Hebrews also talks about... Um, the, the consequences of disobedience. In Hebrews 3, for, for who were those that heard what people heard from God and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear they would never enter his rest except for those who were disobedient. You and I will never achieve salvation based on our obedience. The standard is set to perfection. It has always been that. In order to be associated as a child of God, you have to have perfect obedience. But as God's children throughout the ages have figured out, none of them could do that. God knows that. But God has always provided this way of acting in faith as well in your uh, struggle to be obedient. David, the man after God's own heart, when his sin was brought before him, not that he didn't know, but when he was confronted with his sin, he repented of that. That's what we're called to do. That's also obedience, confessing. Jesus, being that, that perfect model of obedience, um, uh, Philippians says, being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient even to death, death on a cross. His, his obedience wouldn't stop at any point along the way. He was going to be faithfully obedient all the way through to death at whatever cost and whatever the Father said. To walk as Jesus did means we walk in obedience. Verse 4 of our text says, Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Truth marks us as people that walk as Jesus did. We walk in obedience, but we walk in truth as well. Truth has always been up for grabs in this world. Truth has always been this thing that has been uh, distorted. People are doing it yet today. People are talking about the ways that we uh, understand life and they want to rewrite the truth of when life starts and who ordains it and who's sovereign over that and they want to twist that. They want to twist the idea of family, what it means to be in a loving relationship with somebody. We try to twist those things to fit our advantage because we think that truth is somehow pliable. If you don't like it the way it is, twist it a little bit to your advantage. Except that's what the devil did at the beginning. Did God really say you're not supposed to eat of that? Do you think he had a different motive behind that? 
Was he just trying to prevent you from being all that you could be? So he said, don't do that. But if you would do that, you should see what you would have, what you would gain by that. You would have knowledge that, that you didn't have before. You would have this wisdom that only God possesses. Doesn't that sound great? And the devil would try to twist the truth. John, in his gospel, talks a lot about truth. He says in there, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Only the truth sets you free. You can't come up with another way of freedom other than by way of truth. If you twist it, you're still a servant to that which is twisted and broken. You can't claim it to be truth and say that you are set free. If you go against the truth, you're not free. Jesus would be the truth. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the light. There isn't another truth out there. Pilate, as he's as he's examining Jesus before his crucifixion, is just uh, puzzled by this whole idea. And he says, what is truth? People have been trying to figure that out forever. And when we don't like what truth speaks to us, we twist it. We discard it. We say it's irrelevant. It's archaic. We're too enlightened now to just go by way of uh, an old book. Or just one way of thinking about things. Truth is this thing that is not stable. uh, Which, I don't know how that serves you then. If you picture truth as a a boulder in the midst of a stream, uh, raging waters and whitecaps and everything else, and there's this boulder that you can stand on there because you know that you will be safe there, except only to find out that you're not standing on a boulder, it's a balloon. What good is that truth? How does, how does something that is so fragile and easily moved provide you with anything sure? Truth has to be immovable in order for it to be truth. Jesus uh, made sure that we would know the truth as well. At the end of his ministry, as he's about ready to go to the cross and he's going to leave his disciples, he says also in the book of John, uh, I will leave you with somebody else. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He won't speak on his own, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Jesus would send the Holy Spirit to continue to speak to us and reiterate the truth. People get in so much trouble these days when they say, I heard the Spirit say, and then they go and on, on to say something that is completely against Scripture. And yet the Spirit never does that. The Spirit always leads you back to the truth. He will remind you of everything that was said. Being a, a one who walks the way Jesus walks, you would, you would have to walk in the truth. See, the problem is we still have that adversary. We still have one who is absolutely opposed to the truth. Go back to the, go back to the, the early parable of Jesus when he talks about the parable of the sower. The sower sows the word, truth. 
These are the ones, he says, that are along the path. Giving the explanation of, of sowing. That there are those that fall along the path and the birds come and they take it away. These are the ones that are along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word, takes away the truth that was sown in them. If the devil can take away the word of God from you and make it as if it doesn't exist or it's no good anymore, then you have nothing of truth to stand on anymore. We have an adversary who is so bent on taking the truth from us. So if you want to walk as Jesus walked, to to live as Jesus lived, you need to walk in truth. You need to live your life according to the truth. Obedience and truth and love. Whoever keeps his word, it says in verse 5, in him truly the love of God is perfected. Uh, John in his uh, gospel and here in his first letter is um, filled with what it is to understand the word love. You can, you can look at, uh, up the word love uh, in all of the New Testament. John writes about it more than any of the other writers do. Uh, John was called the, the beloved. Uh, he seemed to have a pretty good idea uh, as one of the inner circle of Jesus about what love is, what love looks like. Jesus was asked, uh, in, in order to trip him up, of course, at one point, what, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus went all the way back to what God said to his people as he formed them as a people and brought them out uh, into the wilderness as he was about to bring them into the promised land. And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And there's a second commandment like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. Everything depends on these two commandments. Love has to... Mark us as God's people. Otherwise, we don't resemble Father or Son at all. We have to be people that are known to be people who love. Later in John's letter here, he said, if anyone does not love, They don't know God because God is love. You you can't say that you have love if you don't know God because He is the source of all love. The fact that we have the capability of loving other people is because God loved us. We love because He first loved us. We wouldn't know what love is if He hadn't shown it to us. But people try to Uh, redefine love, too. Uh, That that goes back to that idea of truth. If you're going to understand love, you have to understand the source of love, the truth of what love really is. You You can't say what you think love is if it doesn't square with Scripture. You and I don't get the opportunity, the, the, the freedom to redefine words. But that's what's happening. That's, that's part of the, 
a big debate in our denomination, this dividing line between us now. There are those that want to love one way where Scripture says another. And we try to redefine things and we try to say, well, maybe Paul didn't know good enough then. Except for Paul wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We try to redefine what love is. Who, who are we to say what love is except for from the source of love? We don't get to redefine things. The very um, pinnacle of love was also modeled by Jesus. Greater love has no one than to lay down your life for another. Jesus was the the model of love. As He was there hanging on the cross in love, He said, Father, forgive them. I don't imagine I would have said those words. Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Love in its highest form. Uh, love your enemies. If you're, if you're following along in our, in our readings through the New Testament, we just read those in the book of Luke. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Because that's the model we have. That's exactly what we see Jesus doing. Loving people who were not lovable. Praying for those that would actually persecute Him and murder Him. That's the love. That's the level of love that Jesus showed. See, we, we say we want to live like Jesus. We want to walk like Jesus walked. And yet, the standard that He has set for us has not been a standard that has uh, been lessened at all. It's still a level of perfection. I'm here to tell you, though, that I don't have that ability. I, I don't possess in me what it takes to live up to the standard that God the Father set for His people when they were formed as a people in the Old Testament or the, the pattern that Jesus set, the standard that He set in the New Testament as, as loving perfectly, obeying faithfully, adhering to the truth. I just don't have that ability within me. And neither do you. Nobody has. But the model is still Jesus. Knowing that we don't have that ability, God didn't say, well, you know, they're never going to achieve that, so why don't we make a few things allowable? What if we say it's okay to murder occasionally? Or when it's not convenient for you to have a particular life? What if it was okay to lie periodically if it was something that would help you out in the circumstance? We, we talk about love. Maybe if your, your relationship with your husband or wife isn't uh, all that it was at the beginning or it hasn't stayed that way, maybe you could find love in the arms of somebody else. Because after all, God is love and He would want me to be happy. Maybe if you're very desperate in this world, it's okay to steal. 
God never lowered the standard for us. What he did was say to us, in the person of Jesus Christ, this is the way I want you to live. I want you to live like my son did. Here is my son in whom I am well pleased. God would speak from heaven. Listen to him. Follow him. Not a different standard, not a lowered standard. And Jesus never stumbled once. And so uh, you have these, these three simple things. Obedience, truth, and love. I say simple. I haven't succeeded at any of them. But, but those are the standards here that, that Jesus gives us to live up to. Obedience, truth, and love. But how, how did Jesus accomplish these things and model them for us? How is it that Jesus did what we couldn't? See, if your answer is, well, because he's God, I still can't follow that. You still can't follow Jesus if he did everything because he's God. I'm not God. I can't live up to that. And nobody ever has yet. So if you have to pattern your life after one who's God because he was God and that's the only reason he accomplished those things, then you and I will never succeed. You and I don't have a pattern that's Followable. We're going to find out how Jesus lived his life, how he walked here among us. We're going to look at going forward uh, all of those things. How did Jesus accomplish these things? If he gave us the pattern to walk like he did, then we must be able to do that. We're going to look at that going forward. Because this is the model he gives us. Those who say they abide in him ought to walk in the same, the same way in which he walked. You and I have to be able to model that, to, to repeat that. He modeled it, we repeat it. There has to be a way that we can hang on to that will allow us to move in that direction of accomplishing the life that Jesus lived so that we can live like Him. If it was only a supernatural thing that He did here on earth, we don't stand a chance. He had to model it in a way that we could pattern after it. That's what we're going to look at going forward. We've looked at, uh, over the course of the last couple of years, the life of Christ. We camped out in the book of Mark for a long time looking at the person of Jesus Christ, all that He did, what He spoke, how He interacted with people, the model in which He lived His life, the way He uh, allowed His disciples to begin to model their lives after Him. He gave them tests and quizzes along the way to see how they're understanding. Are they getting it yet? And now here we're looking at uh, the way Jesus lived his life so that we can pattern our lives after him. Now we're going to look at the concrete ways of living like Jesus. As we, as we had the chairs up here, coming to this place of first encounter with Jesus and then coming to faith in him, this, this 
uh, infantile place where you accept Jesus, and then you begin to grow from there. There's more testing, there's more hardship, there's, there's more proving of your, of your character in Christ. And then you get to that place where you have, have learned so much of that that you become a disciple maker yourself and you go out and you seek those that need to know that. Jesus would then give us a pattern of, of how to live life the way he lived it. It is attainable for us. Perfect. Paul would remind us that we have within us these dueling spirits. The flesh that we were born with. A a spirit that is hostile to God just by birth. We all possess that. In Adam, we all have that. We all have this uh, broken piece of us that we can't fix. Uh, That comes in coming to know Christ where that place of redemption, that, that process of sanctification will happen where we're made more and more into the image of Christ. It doesn't happen until we either pass from this life to the next or He comes again. Then, then we begin to understand the fullness of what we are supposed to be in Christ. But how to accomplish that day by day, He's given us that example. We're going to walk in that. We're going to keep exploring that and find out how it's possible that you and I can walk like Jesus walked. If we say we're in Him, we ought to. We should be the ones that walk the way Jesus walked. We should live the way Jesus lived. It's, it's the one who uh, leads the path ahead of us. He's the one whose footprints in the snow that we are meant to be following perfectly. And He's always there with grace because we're going to stumble a long way. But He has set the pattern for us. And so let's walk the way Jesus walked. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we know the answer uh, of whose life we are meant to pattern ours after. But Really, truth be told, I would rather choose somebody who's more like me than more like you. I would rather choose the one that I can identify with more in this brokenness, this inability, than the one who did it perfectly. If my standard is lower, I don't have to try so hard, and I'm comfortable with that. I don't want to always be molded and shaped into the image of Christ because it means it's going to cut into the way I think about things and it's going to take away what I think are the freedoms that I enjoy except your truth will set us free always. We think we are living lives in a way that we are free when we live outside of your law. When we disobey, for some reason we think we are free. And yet only in obedience, only in walking in the truth, only in living our lives filled with love are we truly free. And then we are becoming just like our Savior. It truly is who we want to become like if it could just happen without our effort. So help us, Holy Spirit. Remind us of those areas where we need to grow in. Prune us in such a way that 
we get rid of those areas of our lives where we want to hang on to that which is contrary to the Word of God. And make us, Father, more like your Son so that we too can be a one that brings hope to those that need to hear it yet. Peace to those whose lives are in chaos. Salvation to those that are still utterly lost. So help us, mold us, shape us into the image of our Savior in whose name we pray. Amen.